Well, this Friday, this past Friday evening, the church uh, hosted the Night to Shine prom. Uh, it was put on by Tim Tebow. He sponsored it. It was for people with special needs. And there was, it was amazing. There was about 200 guests, maybe even more. That I don't have the exact numbers, but there was probably equally amount of numbers of volunteers. And it was amazing. If you were here, this, this place doesn't even look the same this morning. It was a wonderful, wonderful event that we rolled out the red carpet for our guests. Literally rolled it out. If you're here, there was a stretch limo that was out front and a red carpet and people cheering the guests as they came on. There were paparazzi taking pictures of them as they came in and they were clapping. The scene was amazing. Got a couple of pictures as I'm speaking. There's this stretch limo and they were coming in, the red carpet, and the guests actually had volunteer escorts. They were gonna be their date for the night. But what was funny is a couple of the guests knew each other already and they had planned to make the night be their date together. And so they came up to get their escorts and both of them looked at the escorts and said, we got this, <laughs> meaning stay back. But this place was filled with things for them to do. There was a beautification station where you could get your hair and your nails done for the ladies. They had uh, crowns to crown them as king and queen for the, for the evening. There was a game room for the men. There was a shine area, game rooms. And then this place was a huge dance floor with a live band and a DJ later on. And I, I sat, the scenes, I sat in the back where the, uh, Jay is right now at the sound booth and I watched and there was one guest. I don't think this, this guest knew that there was anything else going on in the building. She literally sat dancing right there from six o'clock till nine o'clock. And the volunteer escort that evening, a patient gentleman was standing there just dancing for three hours. What a precious thing. I watched a young teenage lady in a wheelchair having the time of her life at this party. She was dancing so hard her crown would start to fall and this teenage volunteer, young man, was dancing, smiling, looking at her in the eye, taking her crown every time it fell off and just putting it back on her head and then dancing the whole day. What an outpouring of love by all on Friday evening. It was amazing. I think it's a time that not only the guests will remember, but the volunteers will remember for a lifetime. We kicked off this series last week called In the Margins. It is a very short series. And, and simply, we, we said that events like this right here, Jesus, according to Jesus, this is a picture of something much greater. It's a picture of what heaven is going to be like. Every party, every conversation, every celebration where we invite in those that are not, not normally invited in, we're loving like Jesus loves. We're loving with his heart. And if you remember the sermon in the sentence from last week, and if you weren't here, you're in luck because we're going to use it again this week. And it's when you include people who are excluded you're loving like God loves. 
This is a short series. That is an important message. And we want everybody, as they walk away from these two weeks, to remember that when we include people who are excluded, we are loving like God loves. And so today, we're going to drill down on that a little bit more and say, if that was like what heaven's going to be about, then how can we create more moments like that? How can we do that on earth? The reality is, as a church, we cannot, as much fun as it was, we cannot throw parties like that all the time. It took months of planning, hundreds of volunteers, an outstanding leadership prom committee. There's no way we could do that that quickly again. But what if there was a different way? What if there was a way to have an exponential kind of impact? What if it was where we as Christ followers looked for opportunities, created opportunities where we could love people the way God loves them and has a heart for them? So the question that we're going to wrestle with today is how are you and how am I going to love like that? How are you going to love people the way Jesus loves people? That's what we're going to look at today. But before we do it, I want to get Bibles in your hands because we're going to be in God's Word. So ushers, if you'll come down. If you don't have a Bible, just signal to them. They will give you a Bible. It's yours to keep if you don't have one. Or if you'd simply like to use it and return it in the back at the end, you could do that. But uh, signal to them. We'll be in Matthew chapter 25 today. But what you've got to understand, in order to understand Matthew 25, you kind of got to go back to Matthew 24. Because the disciples asked Jesus a question or a series of questions. Basically, and I'll put it in my paraphrase, Jesus, we've been hanging out with you for a couple years now. And you have told us that the the end will come at some time and you're going to go away and then come back. And we've hung with you for a while. We're just not getting it. So if you will, clue us in. What's it going to be like? What's going to happen? What can we look for? And so in 24 and 25, we have Jesus telling several stories and using metaphors to try to help people understand what that might be like. And I've got to tell you today that Jesus' words are a little unsettling to read. Look at... uh, Matthew 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and he's he's talking about himself, when Christ comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a sheep separates, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left hand. Jesus is letting him know, yeah, I'm coming back, and there'll be no question that you'll know I'm here. I'll have my whole entourage with me. Now, the stuff about the shepherds and the sheep and the goats, it's hard for us to grasp here in North Carolina. We don't have many shepherds employed in the state of North Carolina. But back in Jesus' day, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of sheep, partly because of the religious system. When you sinned, you had to sacrifice, kill a sheep. 
So some shepherds had lots of sheep, others had a few, but they would tend to, for safety reasons, bring them all together and let them go out and eat and get water together. But when nighttime came, they would bring them back through this narrow gate that led to the pen. And the shepherd would kind of stand over the single file line as the sheep were going through and they would do a head count. And they would go, mine, mine, yours, mine, yours. So the listener, this was a very familiar analogy for them. They got it. And for them, sheep and goats, they did hang out together. They looked a little alike, but they also behaved differently. They may look alike, but they behaved differently. I had an experience like this in high school about looking one way, behaving differently. I played music in high school, played trumpet, and my band played some difficult music. So the the band director would often say, you need to be practicing this stuff at home. Well, for a teenage boy, especially where I live, it depended on what time of year it was. I was either in the backyard playing football or I was in the front uh, driveway playing basketball with my brother and his friend. So the last thing I wanted to do was be practicing my trumpet. And then I figured out, I said, the trumpet section is about 25 members. I'm just one. I'll blend in. I'll let them, you know, there's no way the band director's gonna be able to, to tell the difference until that one day where the band director said, well, today's test time, everybody. Trumpets, you're going to go first. Okay, and I'm still calm. All right, good. We're going to do it one by one. Robert, there was a big difference between what I looked like with the 25 and how I behaved. It's kind of like that with Jesus here, where he's saying, I'm trying to distinguish between two types of people that look the same. But when you take a closer look, they're not the the same. There's a very distinguishable and measurable difference between the two. There are those that simply act and think that they follow Jesus. But then there are those who truly follow Jesus. And I want to talk about the difference that he's talking about here before we go into it because we do have to talk about this. And the difference is this. How well did you love people in the margins? How well did you and I love the people that Jesus loves? Did we let our love for Jesus motivate us to action? And this is where I got to press pause for a second, because I do not want to lose people. I want you to hear the rest of the message. I want to be clear on this. We believe as a church what the Bible teaches. And that is, is when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as the one who restores your relationship with God and offers you forgiveness, you're forgiven through him. When you trust in him, then you are saved by his grace through your faith in him. Very clear on that biblically and as a church. So you need to hear that. What I'm talking about today or what I am not talking about today is that you are saved by your good works 
and your deeds. Please don't walk out of here thinking that. You could think that in McDonald's this month. Did anybody see the Super Bowl ads? There's a new form of payment at McDonald's. It's not Apple Pay. It's called Pay with Lovin'. Anybody hear about that? You actually, randomly, they will select people. You order your meal, they will select people, have you do something, and then that thing you do will be payment for your meal. Very neat thing. That may work at McDonald's, but it doesn't work in God's kingdom. You are saved by grace through faith, faith in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that we are able to just blow off God and do our own thing. And some of you, you may know where we are in this passage today. You may say, you know what? I'm a Christ follower, and where we are in Scripture, I should be long gone because I will be raptured up and won't be left here. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. The application of, t- the application of today's message still holds. We are accountable for the things that we do here on earth. So hear this. As we look at Jesus, what he says, he's not differentiating by saying, here's a list of things that you need to do in order to be saved. He's saying, this is what saved people do. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you by the creation, by, from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? He's saying, you guys over here, it's simple. You cared for the people that I cared for. You showed mercy. You, ex- you were compassionate. You gave forgiveness. I'm ready for you. Come in. There's such great evidence that you are true followers of me. And they're surprised. They say, when did we see you, Jesus? Oh, we would have remembered that. You can almost picture it. We would have remembered if, if we saw you that we would have run and said, here's a PB&J sandwich, right? We would have remembered that, Jesus. But what we, saw, what we did is, We saw somebody who had a need, so we helped them. We saw somebody who was lonely, and we gave them our time. We only did what we saw you do. You see, one of the marks of a follower of Christ is that they love those who are misplaced in the world. It's our sermon in a sentence. When we include people who are excluded, we love like God loves And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. He's saying, listen, when you did that, it was as if you did it for me. Now, there's differing opinions 
on who the brothers and the sisters are here. Some saying the brothers and sisters are mankind in general. Others are saying that it's blood relatives. Others are saying that it is fellow Christ followers. I'll let all the smart theologians debate, debate about what that, who they are. But I'll say this. The Bible's clear that we are to take care of people in our church family. Why? Because the unbelieving world is looking and hopefully they're saying, I want to be part of a people like that. But the Bible also says that Jesus, while we were all sinners, went to the cross for all people. So who's Jesus talking about? I'm going to give you my opinion. This is just my opinion. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters who someone is or how they got there. Once we start drawing lines in the sand of who we're going to serve or who we're not going to serve, I think we miss the heart of Jesus which was and is. He came to heal people. He came to share the love of God the Father with people. And he ultimately came to satisfy their greatest need by offer them the Savior that they need. And so when we love like God loves, it's as if we are doing it and to Jesus. We see a very similar pattern here in verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry? or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and not help you. He's saying, guys, you, you had every opportunity. You didn't love the people that I love. You didn't show compassion. You didn't show mercy. And they pushed back, right? They say, when did this happen? I don't remember seeing you, Jesus. I would have recognized you. I would have recognized the sandals, the long blonde hair, the blue sash, right? The pictures we have of Jesus. If I would have recognized you, I would have helped you, and I didn't see you. You're just saying you ignored the ones that I love. You neglected and turned and pushed away those who I include. That was me you didn't help, in essence, is what he's saying. And this is a side of Jesus that's really hard for us to understand, isn't it? Especially here in the Western world, in America, because we can typically get out of anything, right? And usually everybody's a winner. And you're not supposed to tell somebody that they are wrong. And so here comes Jesus with a judgment and it's not what the culture thinks, and it's not what people think. And he's saying, yes, you are covered by my grace, but there better be evidence. Hopefully there's evidence that 
changes the way you live. But there wasn't. Verse 45, and he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. We know Mother Teresa, Catholic missionary, lived most of her life in India, started soup kitchens, clinics, mobile clinics, uh, homes for people with leprosy, HIV, AIDS. She welcomed every day. Because for her, it was another opportunity to find Jesus in the lives of other people. And here's what she said. When a poor person dies of hunger, it has not happened because God did not take care of him or her. It has happened because neither you nor I wanted to give that person what he or she needed. We have refused to be instruments of love in the hands of God to give the poor a piece of bread, to offer them a dress with which to ward off the cold, It has happened because we did not recognize Christ when he appeared under the guise of pain. Jesus wraps up his teaching and he said, And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. I got to be honest. I'm not 100% sure of how to understand that right there and how it really all works out but I'm pretty comfortable in saying what I do know. Jesus clearly differentiates between those who truly follow him and those who don't. And it's this, how did I love people in the margins? And would it change how I do that if every person I helped is helping Jesus? What would it look like for you and for me to love the people that Jesus loves? Here's what it's like for somebody in our community as well as somebody from our church. Take a look at the screen. Hi, my name is Abby Tenalia, and I am the founder and director of Transforming Hope Ministries. Um, When I was 17 years old, I pursued an online ad to move to Florida, um, And what I found when I got there was uh, actually a situation that left me sexually exploited. Um, I was not a human trafficking victim. I was not commercially exploited, but was taken advantage of by an older man. And while that memory was repressed for a very long time, it did dictate the next 10 years of my life. Um, I spent those years in darkness, um, in pain and hurt, and I in turn inflicted pain and hurt on other people. Um, And by the end of it, I I really, really hated myself. Um, Also, by the end of it, I I was exposed to my home church through a, just a random conversation between my daughter and a complete stranger. And through that community of believers, I was exposed to who my Savior really is. I fell in love with Him, and it, it all became very clear exactly what I had to do. My name is Kim Perry, and I first met Abby at a women's conference in um, last March. 
I was on my way into one of the large group sessions, ready to worship and have some teaching. And I saw a young woman at a table, and there was something about her quiet, watchful demeanor that made me stop for a moment at her table and pick up her brochure. It had statistics about North Carolina, human trafficking in North Carolina. Um, to that point, I didn't realize that it was as big of an issue locally that it, as it is. And just over the course of the next hour or so, I really felt God calling my heart. I mean, I really felt it that He was saying I needed to do something. I had no idea uh, what that would be or what it would look like. Um, I have no experience with it myself. And I've never personally known somebody who was dealing with that. Um, but then I called Abby a couple weeks later and met with her to see if there was something that she thought that I could do to help. Instead of looking at people and seeing their faults or seeing those things that you don't like about them, or um, is you're viewing them in a different way. You're viewing them as if they are Christ or you're viewing them as an assignment from God. And of course, it's it's okay to experience emotions and you have to have boundaries to protect yourself, but there there has to be a balance of having those healthy boundaries and s- stepping outside of yourself and realizing this may be someone that is relying on you to show them who Christ really is so that they can find him too. And I think a a way to help with that is recognizing that we don't save people. God does. So it's ultimately his job. And it's easier for me to step out of my own selfishness and say, okay, I'm going to pour into this person because ultimately I'm going to get them to God and he's going to do his job and and they're going to be good. Um, But it takes us as Christians here on earth to show because they can't see him. They don't they don't recognize him yet. They look at us and say, if this is really who God is, I don't want any part of it. Or if this is who God really is, then I want to know more. I find myself being more intentional about encouraging people, especially young people. Um, And so that's just a really simple thing I think that anybody can do is to just take take a moment to to notice people around them who need a little encouragement and to and to act on it. Um, But so far, I feel like the things that I'm doing are playing right along with my strengths. Um, So far, God hasn't asked me to step way outside of my comfort zone. I'm hoping that if one day God calls me to do something scary or courageous, that I'll be bold enough to act on it. Um, Maybe these little things that I'm doing now are kind of like a warm-up. Maybe they're practice, or maybe this is the thing that I'm going to do. But now that I know about it and I know that God's calling me to help in this area, this is something that I'm definitely... I'm definitely doing it, and um, now that I'm going to film about it, I'm certainly going to do it. (laughs) Loving people like Jesus loves um, can generate some crazy ideas. As John McLarnon and I, John's the site pastor over at Crossroads Campus, we were working on this message together, and he told me about his friend, uh, he's a, a pastor in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. I'm having problems with my words today. Um, and he's a pastor of about 10,000, uh, church about 10,000. 
But every Tuesday for the past 10 years, you'll find him downtown holding a cardboard sign that says, free hugs. And one of his favorite spots is to go across the street from the courthouse and stand there. And one of the judges loves to sentence the people who are convicted to go to the guy across the street and give him a hug. And so John's friend says he gets lots of side hugs from men. Come on across. I, I love watching followers of Christ love people. Robert Bruce, who's a mission partner of this church, um, sadly, he passed away in the fall last year. R Robert loved people. And, and Robert's great leader, great entrepreneur, and he sold one of his businesses. And, and during this time, he'd go on 10-mile walks, just to, and he'd talk to God. Lord, he'd say, what do you want me to do? How can you use me to make a difference for your kingdom? And he really felt God start to move in him to people who were on the margins, to people who need a second chance, to people that the rest of the world would just push away and not help out. And so Robert felt this call to do something to offer those people who are underemployed or unemployed earn a sustainable wage while at the same time teaching them to be the leader that God was calling them to be. And so we started higher level ministry. LifePoint partners with higher level ministry. Many of you have volunteered and you have seen the difference that it has made. I just want to do a plug. If you know anybody that is in that case, in the margin, been pushed away, and they need that opportunity, uh, higher levels taking applications for students for the March session. Just direct them to higherlevelministry.com. I love watching people kind of feel the stirring in them to do something, to love like God loves. Last week at Crossroads, there was a guy that came up and said, this is, this is it. I had been keeping a list of people in the margins that I needed to have over for dinner, but I didn't act on it, and I am now. Loving like God loves. This church has paid bills, put gas in tanks, uh, helped teachers in their classrooms. We've adopted kids, planted churches, brought stuff for Haiti. We would love to hear, as this is stirring in you, how are you loving people in the margins? Send us your stories at story at lifepointchurch.com. They don't get immediately published. Just, it goes to a person. But let us know what you're doing. Story at lifepointchurch.com. Dot com. Imagine if we as individuals just said, what can we do? If we went to our family and said, how can we do this? Right around us with what we're doing, how can we love like Jesus loves? Imagine if our connect groups kind of came together and started serving people who normally get neglected. What would that be like? for Christ followers to act.
when I include people who are excluded, I love like God loves. How are you going to do that? How am I going to do that? Let me pray. Father, thank you for loving us and sending your son who loved us even when we were still pushing up against him. We didn't love him, but yet he was willing to do that for us, to sacrifice for us so that we could be restored in our relationship with you. Thank you for that. It's our prayer as a church body that you would move in us individually and we will move towards those that you call us to and we will move with bold faith. We love you and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.